Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Outside the Barn, brought to you by the good people of New Amendment. I am Kendall Shell, along with me, my co-host, Trevor Blake Hoffhaber. Let's tip things off today, fellas. Trevor, how we feeling? Uh, feeling good. You know, we got some two, uh, two good NFL games going on today, um, so I'm excited to get a chance to watch them. And um, obviously, it was, a, it was another tough week for our Gophers, but, uh, but I'm feeling good. How about you, Blake? Good. Feeling good. Got a nice little weekend and... My wife was out of town for the past uh, four or five days, so it was daddy daycare a little bit, so that was a little uh, chaotic, but she's back now, so the household's good, and uh, yeah, looking forward to this week and some football games later today. Yeah. Yeah. It's always yeah. an appreciation when you were, uh, when the moms leave and you realize <laughs> how valuable they are. by actually. myself, that's right. <laughs> I can't imagine. I can't imagine. And it's the snow crazy there right now, right? It's been better. Yeah. Yeah, it's been better. It's not terrible. I mean, it's like negative 21 right now, but <laughs> it's the cold, Kendall. It's the cold. The the snow to yeah, the bottom is yeah. the cold, man. But yeah, it's been super cold. Yeah. It's been super cold the past couple of days, but today is pretty cold. What's uh what's the weather like in Texas right now? It's actually colder today. Like probably the coldest has been all winter. Um, I think it's like 45. So I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. It is. Yeah, it dropped down like super low um, around here. So it's going to be a little rainy for a little bit. But yeah, the past week has been about 60, 65, which has been ideal, ideal weather for winter. A little different than Minnesota, but don't listen to that recruits. If you still have options between Texas and Minnesota, go to Minnesota. Um, but no, let's, <laughs> let's, 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 let's move on, fellas. Let's talk a little bit about who. I know, you know, there's not a lot to talk about with the basketball team right now as far as wins and losses. I think it's pretty simple. We need to win more games. Um, but let's move on to the X and O's, all right? So first order of business, Indiana. I probably can speak for both of you when I say that I was extremely frustrated leaving that game. I'm assuming all the players were frustrated leaving the arena. Coach Johnson was frustrated as well. So let's open it up. Uh, we took a tough loss at home, lost by four to Indiana. Blake, what was your, from your perspective, what did you see in that game? Yeah, I watched that whole game. I mean, I, I was frustrated at the end of the game, but I was pretty – I sound like a – I'm okay with losing, but I, w- I was actually – I thought we played way better than I thought they were going to. I mean, we were all some guys. The team competed. I know we keep mentioning that on podcasts, but they competed. They played hard. I saw some people come out of their shells a little bit. I mean, battle was playing well. And just guys, you could tell – I mean, the announcers kept seeing, and they were right. You know, Rami Elwin was saying, you know, it seems like all the 50-50 balls are going to Minnesota. Well, they were, you know, for 90% of that game just because we were out hustling now and in the right spot at the right time. And, you know, I think any of us on the podcast, even Gopher fans, if we would have thought kind of the game would have gone the way it did with the amount of players we had out and only seven scholarship players playing at the time, we would have been happy with it. Granted, I wasn't happy at the end of the game. It was one of those where you felt with like a minute and a half left. We were up by one and you were just kind of a little uneasy, like we were barely holding on. Um, but, I mean... They're big at Indiana. Uh, Jax, I mean, he's he's a beast. I mean, he had 20 and 20. I mean, he was just – and the crazy part is he should have had 40. They just weren't giving him the ball. Like, I, if I was an Indiana fan, I was, you know, I was kind of laughing being a Gopher fan. Like, I can't believe they're not giving him the ball more. I mean, every time he got the ball, he got fouled. He got a put back. He got a dunk. He got something going on. 
but he didn't t- touch the ball as much as he should have. But going back to the Gophers, I mean, I think it was a it was a good um, outing, I would say, especially given our circumstances. It was a bummer about the end uh, fair, but um, I was happy with at least how the team competed. What about you, Trev? Yeah, same here. Um, it was a weird game. You know, you see Dawson now, you see Pharrell out with the concussion. Mike Woodson's out. <laughs> You're just like, who's playing? <laughs> I was so confused. I was like, I thought Mike Woodson was the coach. And I was wondering why he wasn't coaching either. Like, he's not there. I was like, what's going on? But um, uh, it was fun to see, you know, the guys rally together. I think at the end of the day, like, you know, what we've been saying for the last several weeks is um, the team is responding. Obviously, Northwestern and that game was another – Weird situation, but um, the guys, they haven't quit. You can see that. Um, but, you know, some guys are stepping up, and, you know, at the end of the day, hopefully we just have a healthy team at the end of the season um, and a yes. team that's, you know, continue to fight for something. And um, it was it was fun to see those those guys compete. I know, obviously, like, we all left the game. Like, it's a t- another tough loss, but, uh, you know, you know, the guys are giving their all, and uh, that's what I respect. A lot, you know, even the coaching staff, you know, and the fans are still showing up for them. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. before Kendall, before you go, I mean, I think last podcast we talked about, you know, Gophers need to do something different. In the in the inning game, we did something different, right? We played zone. We had a little three-force press going just to slow the game down. I mean, they were trying different things, which worked, right? Obviously, then you pivot to Northwestern, and it didn't work as well. But I really liked how they kind of changed the – mindset of their game plan going into Indiana. Uh, maybe it was they had seven players. Maybe it was, hey, they're getting sick of doing the same thing over and over again. But I liked how they switched it up a little bit. And I think that was one of the benefits from doing that on why the game was so close and why, uh, you know, Grant, we should have won. Yeah. I No, I agree. I, I noticed that them slowing it up and switching it up to the zone, I think it was huge. I think that was that was a big piece in the success in that game. And like you both said, they did compete. Like Robbie Hummel said, they were winning the majority of the, the loose balls. I think I saw Raphael Davis on Twitter, like tweeting, like this Minnesota team, like what's going on in the barn? Like the energy was there. So mm-hmm. it's good to see they aren't giving up, but it's tough. I think, I mean, we all know that in the Big Ten, like you got to play for 40 minutes and, you know, the veteran leadership, I think, really comes into play at, at some point, like being able to really bring home a win for 40 minutes. And, you know, maybe the lack of that and the lack of experience maybe went into what happened at Indiana. But it was definitely frustrating. But like you said, Blake, you know, with our lack of players coming into the game, nobody would have thought we would have been that close anyway. But it's like we don't want to celebrate moral victories either. Right. We're like, how do we get across the finish line? And. You know, I think at the end of the day, we've talked about it. it's probably good for these guys still, right, to go yeah. through this, to to have, you know, that Indian Purdue game when they got just waxed, right, like about 20 ball. Then they have back-to-back losses where it's like by four. Then they get waxed by North Carolina, I mean, uh, Northwestern by, you know, 20 as well. And so it's one of those things where they see how close they can be, but they also can see how quick that thing can happen too. If they like, well, like, this is probably one of the most weirdest Big Ten seasons ever. Like, you know, yeah. we just lost by 30, uh, Michigan at Penn yeah. State. I'm just like, yeah. and like, these are, when I see these, some of these teams, I'm like, these are good teams, you know, like, like you said, like Pharrell, and like all some of our younger guys, uh, the teams, the players they had to play against the last 
three, four weeks, it's like these are good players. You know, Dickinson and you see Davis um, versus, you know, Indiana or Jackson. And it's just like the Big Ten's a, a monster. Also, this year, it's, it's, it's anybody's game. I think Purdue obviously is the best team, but I wouldn't be surprised they lose, you know, losing the quarterfinals of the Big Ten tournament or the second round. <laughs> it's like serious. Is that your prediction? I would. Would you? How surprised would you be? I mean, I wouldn't be at all. <laughs> I just want you to be the one to say it on record, but I wouldn't be at all either. We're just not. We're the Big Ten Conference isn't built for the tourney. I feel like, and I'm none against this Purdue roster, but it's like as powerful as Ed is, you know, the tourney is usually built for the guards, right? And uh, those type yeah. of similar teams. So I don't know. Maybe we'll see. Well, I think the uh, part of me thinks all this is happening just with the transfer portal. Um, just teams aren't, you know, you don't have a team around there for four years anymore or three. I mean, you got guys coming in, studs coming in, and it disrupts the chemistry of the team at times. I mean, Illinois has got a couple of guys from Baylor that transferred, not saying they're the, they're the issue with Illinois, but you just got a lot of teams changing constantly, and you can't get in a groove. You can't get a rhythm as a team. And it'll be interesting to see as this transfer portal continues how – if it's just going to be, you know, and, I, and it's happening across all different conferences, I think. I don't think it's just been a, uh, the Big Ten, but, um, yeah, it's it's going to create a fun March Madness, I'll tell you that much. I mean, generally, historically, I mean, every time I got a bracket, I'd plug in the number one teams and, you know, the number one seeds, right? Because every year it seems like they get into the Final Four, at least three of them do. Well, this year will be interest. I'm sure there will be a couple, but I think it's going to be a, a fun March, which – I don't think it's going to be a fun march for the Gophers fans, but it's going to be a fun march for people that enjoy basketball. Yeah. It'll be a fun march for basketball fans in general. As I mean, yeah, we'll get there. I don't know. But, yeah, I think overall, though, the team was competing. Um, I think seeing Dawson out, you know, I think it shows how important he is to this team. Uh, you know, I, I think we've talked in the past about seeing Dawson and Jamison mesh. And, you know, hopefully I do see Dawson come back from injury soon and be 100%. But it was interesting for me to see Jamison all of a sudden just kind of step out of his shell in an Indiana game and start producing. And it's just like, man, like if we can get that Jamison with even half of what we've gotten with Dawson, we probably could be at least looking at a 500 team in conference right now, right? I don't know. That's that's what I took from that game. It was, it was interesting just to see Jamison really break out our I still think we need to see those two mesh. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. think I've been saying that since the beginning of the year. It's I noticed that too, and all of a sudden Jameson's playing better now, and we'll see when Dawson comes back if he can keep it going. But, you know, I, I'm a little nervous to say maybe part of it's, you know, who the elf is on the team and who, who's, you know, the offense run through, et cetera. Maybe that could be an issue. Um, but I just still think if they played off each other and played kind of both – three quarters as good as they're playing when they're playing well, but if both of them do it, you know, it would be such a different team. But unfortunately they, they don't, they shouldn't say they don't play well all at the same time, but one plays just way better and the other one kind of just vanishes. Um, and to your point, Kendall, I think if when, when Garcia comes back, hopefully it's fairly soon, I want to see at least, you know, five to seven games of them, playing well together just to get ready for next year. 
because um, we can all say, hey, they'll play with each other in the offseason and in the summer and the fall and practice. But that's different. They got to do that in the game and prove themselves and to everybody else. You know, they can play together and play off each other. And that's what I want to see at the end of the year here. Yep. Yeah, I completely agree. It's, I think we've talked about it. Like, just seeing more of a two-man game between those two, we've seen it, like, for very brief iterations throughout this season, you know, where there's a ball screen, a pick and pop, just feeding off of each other. Dawson getting a rebound, passing to Aldette and Jamison, just having that feel for each other, I would love it. I mean, having J-Mo go down low in the post sometimes, just figuring it out and – We'll see. We'll see what it is. Maybe it's something within the offense. But, you know, if they don't figure it out this season, I think it's going to be a key. It's going to be a key to the future of this program and to the next few seasons because they're both all Big Ten caliber players, and you have to be able to have them mesh if we want to, you know, hit our full yeah. potential. And I don't know what that looks like. Like, I would, like, recommend these two, like, in the offseason. They need to be together all the time in open gym. They need to be on the same team in open gym all the time. Like, you guys probably like it in college. Like they need to be going over to local schools, local open gyms, like together. Like we're a package, we're playing together, just so you can get those reps in and get used to each other. I think it's it's gonna benefit them because I think they're both unselfish, but it's just their styles just haven't quite meshed matched yet. So they just need to get reps out. They need to be out in the open gyms across the Twin Cities all summer. They need to be on the same pro am team. They need to just be those two. We need to know this dynamic duo next season. Like. Without a doubt. Yeah, part of me, I I want to relook at some film with them playing together, but I wonder if a lot of it's to do with them play on the same side and just Garcia's nature of how he runs offense and his kind of skill set is, you know, kind of that high up post up and then he faces the defender up and then that just lets, you know, that Jamison, you know, battle, you know, is right next to him, right? So they feel like pretty close versus, you know, Garcia, like we talked about earlier, would post them more on the block, or even if they put battle on the other side versus them on the same time. I mean, I think that's kind of could be the issue. I'd want to look back on how it's evolving, yeah. but that, you know, come to think about it, that could be one of the issues is why they don't play well off each other right now if they're on the same side because they kind of play in the same position on that side. I can see that because we've talked about already how there's a lack of spacing on this offense. And it's, it's, it's already a problem. And so I think that could be the issue. That could be a problem. Maybe that's not just those two, but maybe, you know, Talon Cooper tagging along and figuring out, like, how he can kind of get them in better positions and, or get everybody else in better positions as well. But you're right. That might be something we need to look into as far as film because uh, that makes sense. That could, that could be the issue. We'll see. But otherwise, I don't know, man. There's there's not much else you can say about those last two games. We took the L's. We know what we need to do. We need to win. It's time to win. It's time to look ahead. So let's move on to the scouting report. Next up, we have Rutgers at Rutgers. Then we have Minnesota, uh, Maryland at home. Rutgers is, Rutgers is a pretty – they're a good program. They're a good program right now. They're – like, of all the Big Ten programs, like, they probably have had the craziest 180 as far as from the bottom to the top. And it's almost ever since they joined the Big Ten, right? When they joined the Big Ten, that was my junior year. I think that was about 2013, 2014 season. Um, or maybe it was, yeah, I think it was that season when Rutgers and Maryland joined the Big Ten. And, I mean, they were – They definitely had enough credits. I remember yeah. uh, I saw one of the, the Rutgers podcasts, and it was like a – I can't remember the exact stat. It was like they finished like 
in the first six years, I think they finished top four, like five of those yeah. first six years. It was like, oh, wow, I didn't even know that. Play, you know, it was just like they, they've been there. Um, it's a tough game, especially at Rutgers. They, you know, every year you see them having a big upset. They beat what Purdue this year also already. So, it's, yeah, uh, yeah, they just got a win. They just came off a win. So, I don't know. What do you see? What do you see? What do you see we need to do, Trevor? Is that obviously they have a winning mentality right now, and we're in a losing, you know, and just a losing funk right now. So what do we need to see out of that game? It's on the road, by the way, as well. Same thing. We always talk about energy, competing. At the end of the day, like, I don't, I'm not sure if Dawson's going to be back. Um, Braden, you know, if Braden's going to be back or not. But at the end of the day, it's just like those eight scholarship guys or nine scholarship guys just have to go out there with the – just – Focus on themselves, you know, focus on being better um, as a team and not worry about the outside noise. It's going to be a tough game. You know, it's, I'm, it's, you know, I haven't been to Rutgers yet, but just looking on TV, you know, it looks like a small, like, you know, intense environment. Everybody's on top of each other and it's going to be loud. Um, Rutgers has some success. So um, it's going to be a battle. Um, so they just have to show up and be themselves and just keep, you know, just, it's just playing hard, really. So it's so simple. You know, they're going to win. They're going to lose games. They're going to win games. But then they, they, I, I want to see this group stay together. And that's, that's, that's all I can ask for as a, a Gopher fan. Blake, I could have yeah, you more. I think, I think it's going to be a tough game. I, I thought that when we played at Ohio State, though, and we came out with the win. So, you know, I, I don't think it's, um, our wheelhouse to get a win out there. Uh, they are good. I mean, I think two weeks ago they were in the top 25. Um, you know, like someone said, you know, Kendall, I think you said they beat they beat Purdue, but they've also lost some some poor losses as well. So, you know, I, I, I agree with Trevor. I mean, I think we got a chance to win. I mean, I the one thing I want to see is just, especially with our young team, I don't want to continue throughout the season and kind of have the mindset and culture of, hey, we're losers, we're a losing team, because that's just going to affect the rest of the years that they're on campus. Um, they got to continue to fight. I don't care if they do end up losing some, but they got to look like they want to win, like they care, like they're fighting for the state of Minnesota. Uh, that's what I want to see in, in, in this. And I think if they do that, they're going to script scrape out a couple wins here uh at the end of the year but you know i i you know obviously we got to get healthy too um we got to get some guys back but um you know i, I want to see that i want to see guys fighting diving on those balls i mean you know just just playing hard and, and not having that losing mindset they got to turn the chat turn the page turn the chapter switch to a different team and not worry about what's happened in the past and say all right we're getting better each and every day and we're get better and be a better team in March here. And um, the one thing I will say though is it's really tough to close out these games at the end of the you know, these games at the end of the game when we can't shoot free throws. And we keep talking about it every time. And I know the media is getting on it, and it's almost kind of laughable when guys are going over two. And now it's going to get in their head a little bit. But we got to get over that funk, or we got to be up ten at the end of the game. Because if we're down, if we're up two, three, four points with two minutes left. And they're following us. I mean, we can't be shooting fifty percent from the free throw line and and trying to win that game and close it out playing against a Big Ten team. So uh, my hope is they get off and they're they're ten minutes left and we're or sorry a couple minutes left up by ten because that's the way we're going to win. I think if we're shooting free throws like this, or else we're going to have to change our mindset and hopefully flip the switch and get better from the free throw line. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree. They just. 
Yeah, they got to compete. I think that's what I hear from both sides of it. They just got to compete and they got to do what they've done well this season, right? They've got to find that little bit of well and they've got to keep doing it well. Being simple as that. Like, I'd even like show them that first half of that Indiana game, show them that first 30 minutes, 35 minutes of that Indiana game, you know, show them what they were doing, like re emphasize the good. Cause at this point, I think they all know what they're doing bad. It's a lot, right? Re emphasize that good and, just just lean in on that and hopefully they can hang their hats on something coming out of these out of these next two games. But it's gonna be tough. But at the end of the day, like you both said, the Big Ten is different this year, right? Like we can go beat a team. We can hang with the team. We can hang with the top team. Like as long as it's not Zach Eady on the other side of the ball, really is kind of it doesn't matter in this year's Big Ten, to be honest. But like, yeah, that's where we're at with things. So We'll see how it goes. You know, it's obviously tough right now, but hey, looking at the basketball out there and looking at, you know, what we see in the future of this program, I think there's still some positives and some positivity. So, hey, we're only five games out of second place, you know. That's a good point, Kendall. I mean, I don't know, you know, I haven't looked at message boards, but I, I, I can't imagine what golfer fans are how negative people are right now and i get it right anytime we're losing and we're not looking great let's be honest it sucks and people get negative but you know as, as long as the guys are trying like the guys are trying like i would if they were kind of you know a couple of them maybe have put their heads down a couple times and i've been watching but like they got to keep their heads up they got to play hard they got to play for everybody but the the negativity that can happen in the state of minnesota sometimes is not great. Um, so I, I just hope that people stay with Coach Johnson, stay with the team. But anytime you go through stretches like this, it's really tough. But we got to stay positive. We got good groups coming in next year. Um, you know, and as hard as it is, we got to continue and focus on, okay, what guys do we need to try to get better this year uh, for the end of the year so we can have a better team next year with new guys coming in. And I think that's the mindset fans got to have. And this year, let's be honest, I don't want to say it's over, but it, it, it's kind of a wash at this point. Like Trev said, we're still five games out of second place only, but I, I just want to see them continue to get better throughout the year. And if that doesn't equate to wins, it doesn't equate to wins. But if these 20-point losses go down to two-point, three-point losses where we just miss free throws at the end of the game, so be it. We're in the games. We're competing. We're doing well. I just don't want to see these 20-point losses day in and day out because – that's not fun for anybody, and it shows that we're not getting better. Yep. Yeah, no, I completely agree. That was a bar. Uh, I almost called you Drake because you. I mean, that was that was a real. That was that was, that was it. You you really you came with it because that's a hundred percent right. That's literally what we need to look at, and it's tough. I think it's tough for the. I'll say it, the casual fan. I think it's tough for the casual fan to look at it and be like, "How can you take anything out of this season right now?" Like with the record we have, but. Looking to the development, that's key. That's key with what we have. And honestly, Blake, I think that can move us on to our Word on Campus. Word on Campus today, I have been looking at a few of those message boards. Like you said, you haven't looked at Blake. And I will say for obvious reasons, there is a lot of frustration and a lack of hope in Gopher Nation right now when it comes to basketball. Um, but, you know, to your point, like calling for Ben Johnson's job right now in his second season is it's lazy, right? It's a lazy take. Like comparing, you know, what Ben, what Richard Patino is doing down in New Mexico, right, to what Coach Johnson is doing here in Minnesota. Again, a lazier take. 
right? Like we're not comparing apples to apples. We're comparing those yeah. situations and we're not putting down that situation down there because coach P is my guy and I love what he's doing down there, but he can say it. And anyone can say it. these are two completely different situations. And again, they're just lazy takes um, right now. And I think at the end of the day, like you talked about Blake, it's not just about the wins and losses. It's about the development. And it's also about where do we see this program next season, the season after, right? This is still Ben Johnson's second season, right? I see other coaches struggling too early on. I see Jawan Howard and Michigan's got some of the top recruits in the country. They can't figure it out, right? I see Coach Cal down there probably got the top class in the country. They're not even ranked, right? So it's just one of those things where all the coaches are struggling. It's a different landscape in college basketball now. And I think that's kind of what we need to talk about here is like, Right now, I think Coach Johnson is trying to build more of a sustainable program and build it, you know, up young guys versus really hitting that, I'd say, transfer portal hard. So, I don't know. I want you guys to talk a little bit more about it. I'll open it up to you first, Trev. You know, what's your outlook on the current situation of one college basketball when it comes to the transfer portal, building a sustainable team and NIL and all that mixed together and then kind of where Minnesota is in that. I, in that I think we kind of see that. We see all these Hall of Fame coaches leaving. Um, obviously, a lot of them haven't been able to transition to what, you know, this new era has been. But also, like, you know, it, it does get frustrating. I feel like we fans have an unrealistic expectation when it comes to coaches. Like You, you see coaches fired two years after they win the national championship, you know, it's just it's like the LSU's football coaches. Like it's, it's crazy. And um, my biggest fear is that next year we have, we have a great class coming in and obviously like they're freshmen, they have to learn the game too. It's like, if we go off to a hot start or a bad start, you know, who's is the media, do they turn on Ben in the program right away? Uh, what's the narrative right there? And it's just like, it's not fair. Um, like you said, it takes time. We see, we see a lot of these teams having issues right now because, like you said, like we have transfer portal, we have kids coming in. There's like no consistent um, teams rosters anymore. So, um, I think I'm I'm still Team Johnson. I think he's doing a great job. You know, unfortunately, he hasn't had a chance to you know with, with the injuries and trying to get 10, 11 guys playing together for the first time. Um, you see the struggle because we've been there before as players, as you know, knowing the game and. Um, I just think I, I was all for the transfer portal. I still, you know, I was a transfer kid myself. Like I left till I went to Marquette, transferred back home. I had a chance to, you know, for for different reasons. But uh, I see it from one standpoint. But then sometimes I'm just like kids are just transferring for no reason. Like why are you leaving? Yeah. Coaches, it's like how do you, you know, uh, I don't know. It's 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 been it's been hard. But um, I hope that Dan or not Dan, sorry. Uh, I hope Ben has a chance to. You know, these next couple of years, like, you know, we all feel like it's Ben's been there for 10 years, but he's really like 10 years in. <laughs> and a lot of people are kind of combining, you know, his assistant coaching position to his head coaching position. And um, I just hope that he has a fair shot moving forward. Blake? Yeah, I mean, I agree with Trev. I think historically when Trev and I played or even before, you know, we played, you know, everyone would knock certain coaches on a rebuild of a program. It's you go after the high school kids and slow play it and, you know, pray to God that you're not going to get fired as a coach because you're trying to build something. So go out, suck for two, three years, and then hopefully build a, a class and get them, get them older and then start recruiting because you're winning games. Or do you go to Juco, right? 
and start getting these one or two year players to come in, but hopefully they're, they're, they're good. They got experience. Um, so there's two philosophies. Well, now you kind of got the same thing in Juco a little bit, but do you go after the transfer portal or do you try to build something from ground floor up? And I think at the start, you know, Ben Johnson, Coach Johnson was trying to build something, right? Which I respect, which I always was a believer in. But as a coach nowadays, and, and I shouldn't say this because he got some transfers, right? Um, you know, especially the first year and he got Garcia and obviously battle a couple years ago. But as a coach now, if I were to be hired as a coach, I probably would go after the transfer portal. In all honesty, I tried to build and get kids when I could, you know, in state, all across the country. But man, these these coaches, they don't get much time anymore. And I hope Coach Johnson, I know Coach, you know, he's a great guy. I hope he gets some time here. But man, with society and fans we're living nowadays, like they want instant gratification. And if that's the case, like they got to go get some studs in the transfer portal and. I think one thing, a main initiative next year is, and I haven't talked to Coach Johnson about this, but I think they're going to have to go on the transfer portal and get a stud at the guard position. You know, I still like our guards, but we need more depth. We need more experience. And I think we got some bigs coming in. We got bigs that are good on our team this year. We got a, uh, you know, we got some guards too, but we're more so towards the, you know, I think heavily weighted towards the bigs. So we need to get a guard, right? But yeah. at the approach nowadays, I think it's more so. And I flipped. I always like, let's build something from high school level up, level up, and I'm going to get some time. But if I'm a coach now, I'd probably do a little more 75% good in the transfer portal, which sucks, though, because then you're just whining and dying these kids. Some of the kids yeah. coming that are transferring in probably have baggage, as we say, like some, something went wrong or they didn't like what was going on at the school. Then they come here and thinks the grass is going to be greener. So you can see both sides of it. But I mean, it's a crazy world that we're living in. And to Trez's point, I think coaches, it's tough being a coach, man. At some point, you're going to start to see, like, are you going to start seeing, like, non-coaches be head coaches of these teams because they're good at sales, they're good at brand recognition, they're good at getting marketing and, and companies that donate out NIL money to programs, and then you have a really solid assistant coach? Like, is that the world we're going to? Because it kind of seems like that's, that's going to be the case here in the next 10 years. No, for sure. I mean, if I'm a, if I got hired today too, I'm in the transfer portal. We see at these uh, great, you know, Kentucky, Memphis, like all these schools who always had like top five, top ten recruiting classes. But what success are they having? You know, especially you have to deal with the one and dones. So you have a kid for one year and they're leaving regardless before you have a chance to even like build anything with them. So we went from the one and done area to like era to the transfer portal era, and it's just like. I don't know. It's I would not want to be a coach. I mean, the salaries are great, <laughs> but you know, just deal with you know you, you 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 deal with parents too. Like, and they expect you to you know provide the nil money. You got to do this. Like, everybody thinks their kids the next LeBron James or Paige Beckers or whatever the case may be. And like, it's just it's not realistic because everybody's not. Yeah, no, I completely agree. It's a it's a tough time to be a coach. I think you both brought up great points there. I think. Trevor, so many outside voices. <laughs> so many outside voices. Like, we just talk about, like, the media and message boards. And yeah. that might be the two things they look at the least. Like, they get – there's the parents, it's the players, it's their close circle. You know, it's the AD. The agents. Yeah. The agent. The, the, the everything. Everything, right? It's like you go in the locker room, you got the AD in the back of the locker room just looking, 
seeing how you're holding yourself, how you're holding your composure, how you're speaking to your team, right? We've seen it a lot of times when coaches have been on losing streaks or winning streaks. They just want to see how you are. And it's a, it's tough and it's a lot of pressure. And Blake, you brought up a good point. Like we might be moving towards the more the manager type coach, not the X's and O's guy, the guy that can control all these egos that are tied to NIL deals now. And the one that can go into the living room and say, hey, I can get you this brand money. I can get you to the NBA. Like it seems like we're moving into that spot in college basketball, which is it's interesting. It's interesting to see. I think there's there's still always going to be some pureness, and it's the it's the coaches that can get all those points across, but still kind of be pure with their intentions. And that's why I do hang my hat on you know Coach Johnson because I do think he is that players' coach. He gets it. I think he he actually cares about his players. I think he's going to want their their best interest. And so I think there's only so far he can go from a, the ethical scale when it comes to that. So I'm hoping that all he does and all he's able to do, like, I don't know, is successful because right now it's tough, man. It's tough. But to both of your points, I'd probably lean like 60, 40 to the transfer portal. I think I, I'd, I'd have to lean to the transfer portal to it. Even before this transfer portal stuff was really starting, like, we saw that there's always been success in like the fourth or fifth year transfer. At least I did, right? I thought there was always an important role that they played. Like when Coach Patino came, you know, he had like a Malik Smith who was a fifth year guy, or you know, we I think we got Joey who was like a third or fourth year when we uh, Coach Smith was there. Like some of those JUCO guys that have earned their stripes and you know have been out there, like are more battle ready that can just instantly. I guess, compete out there, like, that's huge. Like, because right now you see as as freshmen getting out on the court, it's not like there's not room, like, at the end of the half to throw both teams freshmen out and have, you know, wild basketball. Like, if you're a freshman now, you got to be able to compete in the Big Ten. Like, most freshmen that are doing well in the Big Ten right now are, they're like, they're NBA first-round picks, second-round picks right now. So it's like, if you're not at that level, it's going to be tough for you to play as a freshman. As a coach, you got to think about that too, like, if I'm not going to be able to play these three, four guys consistently, like I'm going to have to figure something out. I'm going to have to get out here and get some guys that are more ready to play. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But I think that in the NIL side of stuff is going to be interesting. I mean, I don't know what your guys' thoughts are on the NIL side of it, but it's going to be interesting to see as like it still seems like kind of the wild, wild west and deals are getting thrown out there. We don't know really what's going on. It's kind of a gray area, but. Obviously, that's going to play a lot into, you know, what's happening. I just hope that, you know, state of Minnesota and the University of Minnesota leverages, right, having the most Fortune 500 companies per capita and having, yeah. you know, the marketing agencies and the advertising agencies and the power that be there, having sports teams in every single league. Like, we need to be tied in with all these agents that are coming to town, whatever it may be, to figure this out because, when USC and UCLA come into this Big Ten, this Big Ten is about to be an NIL hotbed. Like, if you're not getting these deals and opportunities out there, you might as well write yourself a ticket to the Mountain West. Like, because well, Jim, can you imagine being a coach and have to manage that part too? <laughs> not at all. Like having to talk about NIL deals and you know go promote this program to Fortune 500 companies just to get kids coming. Like, it's just uh, – it's it's a circus. and um, But, yeah, like you said, like, you know, as a coach, like, do you just – do we have CEOs as coaches now? Or is that basically what their job is? Like, 
Almost like a Phil Jackson. I mean, Phil Jackson is a hell of a coach and X's and O's, but one of the biggest, one of his biggest kind of characteristics or what makes him great is just the the psychology and how he makes stud players all blend and know their role. And he's more of just a, a guy that rah-rahs the team and gets them all buying into the system. Like, do we need more? Is that what the future of college basketball is going to be as a coach, or is it going to be historically, you know, the X's and O's coaches? And, you know, I think it's more of, like Trev said, the CEO type of personality to talk about NIL, to talk about selling players and selling their son to organizations within Minnesota. I mean, you got to have almost more of a, a, a sales like business mentality coach these days in the in the era we're living in right now. And, you know, I think Ben gets that. I mean, I've talked to him about it. I think it helps that he is a younger coach. He gets it. He understands what what players and what's going on in social media, all that. But flipping back to Ben Johnson, like he's got a five star coming in next year in Evans, right? You know. Yeah. Does he just throw him a lot of minutes right away? I mean, what if Payne, Payne's a, you know, a good player, right? What if all of a sudden, you know, Payne's playing a lot better, but then he pushed Johnson's thing on the side, like, well, geez, you know, Evans, we don't have any money for him right now. And, you know, Payne's maybe better right now. Like, but do I have to continue to play Evans because he's going to hit the transfer portal halfway through the season or at the end of the season? Like all these things are just in these coaches' heads now, which, God, I, I, I'm so glad I'm not a coach because I think it's just a nightmare for these guys. No. And it's, you know, all of a sudden we donate money, right? Trev donates all of his millions of dollars that he's got ready for the Gophers. You know, I, who gets it, right? Who distributes it? Is it even? Should it be even? Do starters get more? Do fourth-year players get more? Um, and how do you how do you talk that in the locker room? Yeah. If I'm like, oh, I'm I give like, it to whoever got the get 250. I'm only getting one. Right. Like, what's going on? No, you know, I mean, just like the, in those conversations, like, how does that change the dynamics within your locker room? Yeah. It's even some of the bigger school when, you know, everybody's getting whatever they're getting. But then I'll like, see one like, game you put up 20, and the guy that put up two points is making, you know, 75 grand, and I'm getting five grand. Like, then all of a sudden you got a little little kind of egos clashing each other, right? Like, why is he getting paid this? And the coach is supposed to be the one monitoring it. But the thing that, you know, we were texting about, you know, one of the um, uh, writers in the local newspaper put out kind of NIL money in, in Minnesota. But, my, you know, is that just the money going to the team to distribute or can actually people go to like, say, Jameson Battle and say, hey, I'm going to give you 10 grand, you know, if you rep my brand. Can they go to them individually or do they have to go to the team? Because how do they track that? Then Jameson Battle has to say, oh, so-and-so give me 10 grand. Right. And I think that is, and I think that's what these NCAA offices, that's why they didn't want to let this honestly be approved because they, I don't think they have the bandwidth to sustain it. You know, honestly, like, because I think that has to all go through the compliance offices at this point. Like it's, that's the, that's the compliance office at the U. I do think like it's every deal, which is interesting. That's why I say it's the wild, wild west right now, but also it's happening. We're here. So we got to figure it out fast. Like there's no room to be like waiting, especially in the big 10. I don't know. So all I know compliance, is, does the compliance get a cut of it? I don't think so. Shit, I don't know. That's a great question, Blake. Are they taxed? What'd you say? Are they taxed? They got to be taxed. 
They're pro athletes. They just probably act. They're just. I, like I think one of the issues with it, and we're kind of derailing this conversation, but I thought I read something that it's harder for individuals to give money to NIL because they can't say I'm a wealthy person. I donate money. A lot of that when I donate to the U of M, it's tax deductible. Well, I think if I give it for NIL money to like the, the team or Jamison Battle or whoever, I don't. I can't. You know. You know. I guess that's not tax deductible for me. So more guys right. are like, I'd rather give it to the team than put in NIL money um, just from a, a wealth perspective. Which makes sense. Which makes sense. That's why I say they got focused on brand deals and endorsement deals and less about that, I would say. Or I don't, I don't know what it is. But all I know is I would pay whoever has the highest free throw percentage on this Gophers team because that looks terrible. Whoever, whoever, whoever gets that feat, that's that, that's who gets paid. But yeah, I don't know. I think that's that's a part of the wild wild west of what this NIL is now, though. And I think Minnesota, as far as like what we talked about, all the companies and whatever it may be, and the donors and the diehard gophers, like there shouldn't be any doubt or lack of NIL money. Is all I'm gonna say. <laughs> well, I talked to, I talked to someone about it. I'm like, with all of our Fortune 500 companies, with they need to do and i think they're doing that to a certain extent is get them to donate this nil money to these organizations to say all right we get you got high level executives that can afford you know nice tickets in their arena and travel wherever they want but can they get their kid in the locker room can they get their kid or them personally to fly on the chartered plane with the team to go to ohio state like they need to do things like that for these wealthy people to be like all right, that's an experience. I'm willing to give money here for the hope that, you know, marketing or whatever maybe helps with this individual player or team. But also I can use it from a business perspective to host clients on the plane or sit courtside or go to Indiana to go see a game with the team. I mean, those are the things it's about experiences for these wealthy people. It's not about, hey, you know, I can get you season tickets for a discount or anything like that. It's what experiences can they deliver? And I think if they associate that with people donating money for the NIL, I think that's going to help their cause. But to your point, there's a lot of companies that have the money to do it. Do we, does it take away your donations that the university receives from the other side? And the answer is yes, which is also a problem. <laughs> but, they gonna, but, these, but they're going to get a lot more donations from that side if we're getting better recruits and we're producing better and we're turning into an Ohio State and we're turning to a Michigan State anyway. So, like, yeah, it might initially take something out of the bucket, but then at the end of the day, we'll have more pros going through and our alumni association will be healthier. And I just that we're in a situation where we have a recruit saying that our $13 million agreement fell apart, so I'm not coming to the school no more. Well, like, I we'll have I mean, what I would like to do is, I mean, not me personally, but I would like to see is all of a sudden we get a five-star recruit coming in this fall, right? And everyone knows that it, it's on Gopher or whatever, right? And we do a GoFundMe for all Gopher fans, give five, ten, hundred thousand, hundred thousand dollars. All of a sudden you raise a million bucks and you say, if John Doe commits to the Gophers after this visit, he gets a million dollars. In this GoFundMe, and then all of a sudden we start getting these literature recruits. Like, I'm pretty sure that's legal nowadays. Like, that's so. what Gopher fans should be starting to do. Obviously, we want to give it to the current players, but I mean, I don't know. I think uh, 
I think that's that's something that teams are at least start thinking of. Donate first million, Blake. Say it right there. That's the podcast. Blake's gonna donate the first million dollars to the GoFundMe for it. Go for <laughs> athletic. Right. One quote. That's what we taking from it. Blake Hoffa. What? Look. Think about that headline, Blake. Think about the headline. God. No thanks. I don't need people uh, thinking that and uh, hitting me up. I'm not Trevor. <laughs> but no, you. Yeah, that's that's what it is. Like you know, to the point. Like. At the end of the day, everybody wants to be associated with athletics, or not everybody, but uh, that's just part of we have to get better with that uh, when it comes to recruitment. And, you know, especially the Big Ten as it continues to grow, you know, like with the other teams forming and coming back and the, the just the media rights and everything that the Big Ten has coming their way. We have to, you know, we have to step our game up. We have to be, we have to think like UCLA. We have to think like, you know, Michigan and like Ohio State and some of these schools who are kind of, I think, a little bit more advanced than we are right now. And we just have to, we have to, you know, we have to step up. Well, and when we were in school, Trev, and even Kendall, like, it was like, oh, yeah, do you want to ask, you know, athletics, it's a business. And you used to hear all the time, and you'd believe it kind of had to business. I mean, it's truly a business now, right? So these schools yeah. and teams have to treat as bad as it sounds because the purists hate that, but you're running a business now, right? You can't, you got to have people that understand business. You got to have, you know, I don't know if you have certain coaches that are, you know, maybe they're not even very sound basketball coaches, but like someone who knows how to run a business, like those people are going to start having to be part of athletic departments and associations to handle all this kind of stuff. Because I guarantee a lot of coaches that are great in X's and O's and have been around for 30 years and, you know, top name coaches, they don't know anything about this. They got to get feedback from people like this to understand it but more importantly to help run their program from a business side because you know they grew up as coaches and teachers not you know people in the business world right yeah i also think there needs to be a push a push for like some type of accreditation to like learning about your branding and learning about nil and how can they get courses around that where there can be credit given to these kids because Quite frankly, I'm sick of athletes having to go to youth studies class or nature in the city and learn about stuff that doesn't really matter. But it's their general education, you know, credit or liberal arts credit. Like, give me a student athlete type credit where you're learning real stuff. You're learning digital marketing, social media marketing. You're learning all this stuff that's actually helping them from business one on one taxes like you talked about, Trev. Right. Like that type of stuff. Because that's stuff they're actually going through, they have to figure out, and that's stuff you need. Like, those are important life skills. And so I think there needs to be a push for that. I think there's those specific athlete classes you have that are just kind of cookie cutter that I think most have to do anyway. But it's like, there should probably be like required, you know, at least four courses, like per year or two or four courses where it kind of covers all those different elements that they have to learn about what they're doing. And then I think that helps not having to take time out of practice to say, hey, fellas, take your shoes off, get your notebooks, let's learn about taxes or let's file your taxes this year. You know what I mean? Like now they need to figure that out within the athletic department, within just the general education within the university. Because like you said, like it's a business now. It's a it's a business. They can't be out here acting like a bootstrap business. Like they're a major university. They're a big 10 university. So well, remember, you, have to you always had those coaches, director of basketball operations, right? You know, maybe nowadays those are going to transform into just director of operations, right? Just like 
not even basketball people, just people that run the organization, right? And, you know, that's my thought on where it's going to go at some point, whether it's now or in the next five, 10 years. Yeah, yeah also GM type role. Somebody, I mean, the transfer portal is crazy right now. Like almost having somebody that's just Minus got their eye out. Yeah. Yeah. Like bringing somebody in and looking at just to build the roster as well as like making sure all the brand deals and the sponsors and they're all happy with the program and making sure it's, it's crazy we're talking about this, but that's where we're at. And that's, that's what has to be figured out soon here. So we'll see. But at the end of the day, you know, we talked about, you know, Michigan and Michigan State maybe being a little bit ahead of us. But I think all coaches and programs right now are a little worried, right? Like, I think that's why we saw a lot of these legendary coaches kind of step down. Like, I think, Trev, you talked about it's a different era right now. I don't think anyone quite feels they get it. I don't think anyone knows that they're going to be that transfer portal program. They're going to be have these big NIL deals. Like, it's just a wild, wild west right now. And I think in the Big Ten in general, it's not just us kind of worried about what the future landscape looks like. And so I'm not too worried. I think we've got the right guy leading the charge. Now it's just a matter of, like, everybody else around them coming together. Like, that's that rest of the athletic department. That's the board of regents. That's the fans. That's the boosters. That's everybody. Like, this is going to be a group collective effort. Like, Coach Johnson's got a lot on this plate. So – I think we need to figure it out together. But at the end of the day, we just got to stay patient with these guys. But when I have to say it, it, we got to figure it out. But if we start winning, it's going to work itself out, right? We're going to start getting donations. We're going to start getting people to follow the program. I mean, so we got to do both sides of it. But, you know, if I was Coach Johnson, you got to worry about that. But you also got to worry about getting wins too, right? So – you know, I don't want to say hey, he's got to strictly focus on the business aspect of it because with wins comes money, right? Comes donations, comes more NIL money, just to Trump's point, right? So comes recruits, right? Recruits want to be part of a winning culture, a winning program. So to be honest, it all starts with the winning culture, winning mentality, winning foundation, and then that stuff will come. But you want to make sure that it's ready and it's hopefully going in, you know, lockstep with the winning culture and then all of a sudden you get to a, a, a powerhouse, right? Right. We'll leave yeah. you with that. <laughs> you with that. That was it. That was it from Preacher Hoffarber. He's been preaching today. Trev, what you got Monday. to wrap it up for it's us? Sunday. It's <laughs> Sunday. Blake came ready with the word. No, for sure. I mean, like, hey, I can't there's not much I can say after that, but like you said, it works both ways. You got to win games, that attracts. At the end of the day, it's a winning business. Who wins the most, you know, has the most money. So, yeah, uh, my last thing too is like just, um, I hope that the university, as far as its facilities, like, you know, obviously we have our new athletics, you know, stadium and that's beautiful. And like, I think it's, you know, I think we finally realized how we hit. To compete, we have to show up. You know, we we you know when we go to Nebraska, we see TVs in our locker rooms. You go Northwestern, they got a new gym. You're like, oh, what's going on? And we can barely get into our gym. So, um, I think that um, just from that point of view too, just uh, hope that we can show up in all facets for Coach Johnson. And like you said, Blake, you know he has to win at the end of the day. That's that's what the business is. And so, I was, I mean, <laughs> that's a good point. I, I mean, I'll end it with that's. What you just said there, Trev, I was just in Austin, Texas uh, for the past few days, and I went through campus. As you know, Trev, that's where we played our NCAA tournament game with Tubby back in 2012, you know, 
if you don't remember, we beat UCLA upset. We were the 12th seed. So just just in case anybody wants to remember what that looks like. But we were on campus and I was looking for the basketball reading we played in. And we're going and we're driving, Trevor and I look and I noticed this state of the art building. And I'm like, I don't think we played in that arena. I do a quick Google search. The University of Texas just got a new basketball stadium. I'm not sure if you two have looked into it. It might be one of the most beautiful pieces of stadium I've seen with my own two eyes in a long time. And that's, and it's not, and here's the thing. So I looked at the contractor, they made SoFi Stadium. Um, They've done work, I think at US Bank. They've done, so they've done all these stadiums already that are world, you know, state-of-the-art stadiums, but that just goes to show you right there, like, I was just jokingly saying, like, why wouldn't I go here, right? Like, the I think back then, Trev, we took a tour through the Texas facilities, and we were all like that. Like, they had their own – that was before we got new facilities. So they had their own basketball facility. They had their – we practiced in it. They had their own weight room. Like, that's stuff matters. 24-hour access. 24-hour access, like ahead of their time. So that's when we say, like, we're behind the times. Like, yeah, we have this great new arena, but, like, we were last. Like, we were last in the Big Ten. Us in Northwest were last to remodel. Like, these guys that got the new arenas when we were still waiting, now we're going to the next level in a new practice facility. So, I don't know. I'll just say I'm not calling for the demise of the barn because I love the barn. But, like, we have to figure it out from all facility standpoint, like, if there is a history, teach that history. If it's the structure, keep the structure. But, like, maybe fix the bathrooms a little bit. I don't know. There's stuff that, you know, we need to probably look into because when you go to some of these other schools and you put yourself in these recruit shoes, what would you do? Well, you know, just quickly, I mean, P.J. Flex doing a great job, but you went to Penn State's basketball arena, to Ohio State. I mean, good basketball programs, but – they're known for football, right? Texas, known for football, right? It's the football money. I mean, basketball is a big sport. We can say, hey, that's our bread and butter. But the football money that comes in, if they do well and win, win bowl games, win, you know, Big Ten championships, all that comes with money. So they're able to fund a lot of these different programs with a lot of that football money and go for football is getting better and getting there. But some of these schools, like a Texas, I wanted to say Texas, I think Texas A&M, I, I read an article about it years back. They're like top – they might be the top one in the most amount of money within the athletic program, and most of it's coming from the football. I mean, Alabama, all these schools, I mean, Minnesota's getting there, but I think a lot of that money's coming from the football side. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I remember just when COVID happened and <clears throat> just by them postponing – the first half of the Big Ten season, you saw the amount of employees that got laid off. And you're like, wow, this is from them canceling four football games. Yeah. And like you said, yeah. I hear you, but I don't think that can be an argument anymore. I think NIL, I think businesses, it don't matter. I think you guys saw that article from our little friendly school in St. Paul named St. Thomas recently, where they got a $75 million donation for a new arena. I don't think St. Thomas football team is bringing in that crazy of money. I think St. Thomas has built an unbelievable alumni base. I think they built a great brand within just that small campus. And I think that's what the University of Minnesota needs to do. I think if P.J. Fleck won the same amount of games for the next 15 years, it wouldn't matter. I think we need to come together. Alumni need to figure it out. We have the Carlson School of Management who's putting out some of the best industry professionals in the world. 
let's figure this out because there's money that can be gotten and it's out there. I I get it where it's like I see some guys drugs back there. He's got some money back saying? there. I think Chuck's got some back in the wall. I see it. Uh, that's uh, that's Photoshop. Yeah, no, Kimberly, you're exactly right. That's you know, you're 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 spot on there. So we'll see. I don't know. I agree. You know, we definitely need to win though, and I think that helps a lot. But also, I think in this day and age now, like we're seeing with St. Thomas, like we got to get it going. We got to figure it out because they're going to come up on us quick here. They're going to market mm-hmm. this thing real quick to Wisconsin. It's going to be the same similar situation where recruits are going to be like, hmm. I mean, looking at the facilities, you know, if I didn't know what conference they were in, I think this is probably the Big Ten school from the looks of the new facility. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's I mean, we'll, that's, we'll that's when you read this watch, it was Marquette. I mean, being honest, um, you go to visit their campus, you see how much effort they put into their, pro, uh, their programs and you walk into the Bradley Center, which they have a new name now. You know, it's 18,000 kids who are happy, you know, cheering about basketball. And then I go to a gopher game at that time, you know, there's 500 kids in the fan, <laughs> in the stands. And you're like, mm, yeah. it doesn't feel like it. It's different. And, uh, so, yeah, I mean, those are great points. And that's why I, I see it from both sides because I've been in, you know, I've, I've been in transfer. I've been in other schools. I've been back and. You see the growth, but also like, you know, we have to step up a lot. Uh, we do. Like UCLA, we know we're excited about those schools coming, but the, um, those schools are coming. <laughs> we don't want to be lost. Yeah, it's going to be plenty of lot of teams in the Big Ten. At some point, it's going to be like the commissioner's going to have to make a decision. Me, team, 16, I'm sorry, but – we're going to have to send you elsewhere. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we're going to have to figure it out quick because it's it's, it's going to be a battle. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But, fellas, appreciate your time today. I think we cover various topics. I think at the end of the day, we know, I think the one theme in this conversation is we need to win. If we're winning, a lot of conversations are a lot easier. I think a lot of the X's and O's are a lot easier. A lot of scouting reports are a lot easier. We need to win some games. Um, but at the end of the day, like you talked about, Blake, let's just watch these guys improve. Let's watch them get better. And that's all you can ask for as a Gopher fan right now. But everyone, thank you for listening to another episode of Outside the Barn. Blake Hoffarber, Trevor Hoffarber, and Kendall Shell. See you guys later. Beyond the Big Ten is a network of podcasts that aims to be your go-to resource for all things Big Ten. We cover the entire conference with shows hosted by ex-players and athletic alumni, aiming to be your go-to source of information and entertainment for your favorite team. Hosted by ex-Big Ten players, media, and insiders, our podcasts are focused on giving diehard fans and those alums an inside scoop about the teams and people that make the Big Ten Conference one of the most watched and most talked about conferences in sports. We're excited to talk Big Ten basketball with you wherever you may be. Subscribe now.